All right. All right. Woo. Here we go. All right, you said you had an update. Let's get it going. Yeah, so I owe a couple, I owe two things. I, uh, I owe a shout out to one of our dear friends, David Dent, who happens to work for the premier box sealing tape manufacturer in the industry who is called Sure Tape. And what I know, are they called? And I know you know they're called Sure Tape because you're tight with that crew mm-hmm. as I am. And they've been so gracious to invite us to their sales meetings and to speak and engage with their uh, their sales organizations. And, and as it relates to Arnold Packaging going forward, that is our box sealing tape and tape partner of choice. I just had to say that. I think that you earned a dis- additional discount. I don't even know, but I know that Dave's a uh, is an avid listener. And if I forget to make a mention or may inadvertently and mention something that's remotely close to a, a competitor of his, he blows me up real time while he's listening. So well, there, you go. there you go, Dave. Sure tape, 1 million infinite shout outs, everybody else, negative 30. It's over. All right, good. So uh, a couple of other revelations I had since our, our last podcast, I was watching back. So, you know, we, we are usually a little bit ahead, not too far ahead. And we get to go back and listen to our prior week. So I was before listen- we post it. Before yeah, before we, we post. Listen, right. So I, I was listening to the raw footage from mm-hmm. last week and no one knows what that episode is yet. But quick, quick uh, preview highlight. We were talking about hobbies and different things and other things we do. And I basically realized, I think the thing that punched me in the face the hardest was when I said I get great value out of <laughs> a spreadsheet and solving data. I mean, I basically said that. I like to roll up with a good spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I need to get a life. And then you challenged me, what would it be? And we got back on the top of singing. And I just want to let you know that I actually booked a a, uh, a lesson to go sing. So thanks to this podcast and you, I um, started it. And the best thing that I've learned, so here's back to a business moment, is hard stopping things. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about it all the time until we hard stop it. Oh yeah, we need to, until we get it on the calendar. So I wake in the very next morning, it was, you know, dark 30. And I thought, oh, it's too early. You know, I was going to give myself an excuse. And I was like, ah, oh, it's too early. I'm like, no, no, it's not. I can send, I can put the ball in their court. They're a sales organization. They're going to wear me out until I book. And that's what I did. And that's what they did. And um, a week from Friday, a week from Friday, I will report back and let you know. Let, I, let our audience I will know. let everybody know. Because I will how know. How it went. You'll know. You'll know. And the best part of this is we are coordinating hobbies. So you're dropping me off at the trail. That's right. So I can run yes. while you sing. Then True. you'll pick me up after your lesson. Right. But one of the cool things, so the takeaway back though, is that uh, someone reminded me of a really, a really funny comment that I heard years ago as related to spreadsheets. And he said, uh, that would make you a freak in the sheets. And I said, oh, hell yeah. I am completely a freak in the sheets. I wish you made that up. I know. I know. Because we would make apparel. It's, it's been out there. It's been out there before. I think I saw it on a, there's like a coffee mug that it's, says freak in the sheets or like something. It's just like the dorkiest thing, but oh, it, is, it is funny. It's amazing. And I just had a conversation with one of my my teammates about spreadsheets and their value and, and uh, leaning into them from a data analysis perspective. So anyway, two, uh, two updates for me. Okay. I'm not doing updates. I'm getting right in here. Okay. That's, that's what I do. I get in. I get in there. No, no. You know me. <laughs> updates. So... I think I realized what a loser I was when I listened to that raw footage back and I just needed to give myself a little break. So thank you for that. Well, sometimes it's a good punch in the... You know what? Yeah. Wrap up with a good spreadsheet. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I already sell bags of air for a living. I want to wrap up with a good spreadsheet. <laughs> You'd be well. If you felt decided to leave me, that would be okay. That would make sense to me. 
Okay. <laughs> on to the topic. So the, this one I'm not dropping on you because I, it needed a little prep work um, for, for this to be a, a, of good value. So what I, what I discuss with you, and I think the best way to do this would probably be to make it a mini series mm-hmm. because there, there's too much to talk about to us to wrap in. We're typically like an hour, 50 minutes to an hour. And that's, I think that's, that's where we like to keep it. It, it usually just falls that way. So I think we, we do a one, two, maybe even three part mini series on this one. And it's what we have taken away, what le- best lessons we have learned while we've been growing Arnold Packaging, Arnold Automation, and Tegler Construction and Supply. So for Tegler over the last seven years, for our automation over the last six? Seven. Oh, seven. Yeah. Same. Remember, and we were talking about startup businesses okay. when we met. Seven. And then um, pa- Arnold Packaging over the last 90, 91. Mm-hmm. So the, those lessons that are just as valuable, if not more, for life success. So there's a lot of people listening to this that I'm sure they're interested in business, but not as interested in, you know, they're, they're maybe not, they don't own businesses. They're not interested in entrepreneurship. Well, this is the perfect topic because I'm picking specific lessons that are transferable and really valuable to every aspect of life. Like that's what I want to focus on. So Today, I think, you know, knowing how much time generally we're going to spend, I think we should try to get through four or five of those lessons and we'll continue them through a mini series. Good by me. Let's do it. Okay. Who's... You start. You always do such a good job of starting and I I enjoy that. I appreciate that. All right. I'll start. And here's the thing too. I don't even think we should put a number on it because it would be easy to say four and that would be 15 minutes-ish a topic. But man, some of these we'll are go, we'll, so We'll keep going until these so feel. It, yeah. it, this is all feel. We all we do all of this and none of it's rehearsed. So some of these are so good that they, they could take a minute to really get through and, and give them the appropriate attention. Yeah. The first one I want to go with, and this is probably one that if I just had to pick one, it's what I would go with. It, part of it sounds cliche, but I think I'm going to add some other nuance. Well, you guys can tell me. I'm going to try to make add some more nuances to this than what you always hear. And that is the only way to be successful is, is to put something into action, period. And we have this real tendency, especially now, there's so much trends towards, um, you know, productivity, personal development, uh, just all those genres where we could spend, and we do, hours and hours reading about things, writing about things, consulting about things, so on and so forth. Nothing actually gets reading about it, journaling about it, consulting about it. It doesn't do anything like you've got to do the thing right that first and foremost. And it's not about perfection. Like you just just get it done. Get it out there. Because here's the thing. You once you start organically, you're, it's going to change. It's going to evolve. You're going to have to refine. You aren't going to get it perfect, perfect at first. And if you try and you wait for perfection, you know what happens. Absolutely nothing. It's paralyzing to a lot of people. So you have to be able to face, figure out what you want, take on the risk, face the fear and freaking do it. Stop talking about it. Stop writing about it. Stop learning about it. Do it. And then 
ultimately you are going to, you're going to learn as you're doing. It is the only way. So that is my number one thing. If there is something you want, start doing. If it's running, run 30 feet and do that every day and add in it. If it's starting a business, like start it and then figure it out as you go. There is no other way. You can read every freaking book in the world for a year and you are not one step closer. What are your thoughts? I'm, I'm out of breath. <laughs> no. Hey, yeah. You, uh, yeah. Oof. I mean, it wouldn't matter what you said just now. I would have known you uh, meant it. I am out of breath. And that's amazing. Yes. Uh, yes. So I was, I, uh, I recall, gosh, this is probably, this is a very early in my career. They used to do this great event in Baltimore city where they would bring in some great speakers. I'll give you some. And I attended one in particular, um, that day, Lou Holtz, great coach oh, from yeah, Notre yeah, Dame, yeah, sure. Barbara Bush. And one of the speakers on stage was Norman Schwarzkopf, the absolute world famous, um, army general and whatever all of his other titles were. But that was his number one message was exactly what you just said. And he would talk about how frustrated he would get when, there would be all of this conversation and it, and his main, his message was just make a choice that, and he, and he's able to use this terminology that none of these are battlefield decisions, right? That most of the time in what he was doing, and, and you're talking about military and things that, that it all matters, but this could literally be life or death in situations. It was just the idea that, you know, you can always tweak or you can always make refinements it, along yeah. the way that, 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 that no decision was much worse than even a decision not being made for the vast majority of those. And, you know, we, we use the one, you know, E equals R times C, uh, efficiency equals right times commitment. So if you also are a believer in that, it would be to say that as long as you're committed, right is a little less important. You can't be completely wrong either, right? I'm not saying that you just throw shit at the wall. But if you have a team that has a very high level of commitment and you put something in motion and or, everybody's engaged. But you might not have a team when you're getting started. Okay, and that's fine. And, and if it's just you, then you better, be, thing, you better be damn right? well committed too. Gosh, I would hope that anybody that would get after something would be committed. Like betting but, on yourself. But yeah, but, but not necessarily. Good point. Um, whether it's you or a team of whatever, as long as everybody on that team has a very high level of commitment, you can be a little off or not completely right and still get where you want to go. And, and the number of times I'll say to my team, let's just make a choice and go, right? And, and let's make sure we have a great feedback loop and let's make sure that we have a tracking process. Quickie, I'll add on to that is don't do anything in the absence of metrics. If you can't measure it, it doesn't matter. Everything else is just feel good, subjective, could be bullshit, really. Um, understand what your metrics are and put some metrics and measure what you're doing, even if they're not perfect either to start. I mean, I'll, I'll, we have a, um, a what I now call a period meeting process 13 times a year every 20 days. So this is nuts and bolty stuff. But you could run your life this way, too. I'm talking about things that you learn in business that are really helpful in life. You could run your life this way too. Um, and that process has evolved over 23 years. And I know that because I know when we brought the consulting group in, in 1999, that helped us start it. And that 
tracking document used to be monthly. Now it's on a period basis. It used to have this data. Now it has that data. Some of those, you just get them started and then you can, you can make refinements as long as everybody's completely engaged and you have a high commitment level. But I completely agree with what you're saying. And those are some real life examples of what we've done here. And the same thing carries through to our personal lives too, right? I mean, we will hard stop stuff. Things as simple as we ought to get together with the Smiths for dinner. You know, if we don't immediately make contact and hard stop that, we'll be talking about dinner with the Smiths forever. Yeah, but I, I think I, I want to push back a little bit on the metric. On the metrics, not push back, not that you're wrong. Like, I agree with that statement. But I, I think that's part of sometimes overthinking things. Like, I'll tell you, when I started, I didn't have metrics. I had nothing I was comparing against. I just freaking did it. I went in and I figured it out. Did I develop metrics and... Sure, but I didn't even know what my metrics were supposed to be when I started. Like I had, I had nothing to compare it against. So um, maybe somebody would say that's irresponsible or reckless. Fine, and, and maybe. But well, well, let me ask you this: in retrospect, so help someone out that might be new to it. In retrospect, if if you could pick up a, a metric that would have been helpful, could you think of one? I couldn't. Even now. We said, hmm, gosh, I realized after a period of time that this was really important. Let's just say it was networking events. I'm not saying that is or isn't, but it would be, you know what? It's important that I get to two networking events a week. Just a, a metric of any kind. Is there anything just, you can it, think of? It was of? So, such a novel place for me that I just, I, I, and things have changed so much. Um, you know, I, n- not really, I, n- See, everything right now is in retrospect. Mm-hmm. For, so it would be unfair for me to say then I could have, I, I knew. Because no, I'm asking you to look backward and help someone out that might not even, because you're right. I mean, in those moments, if it's so novel that you don't have any idea what you don't know, I'm just wondering if there's something looking backwards like, man, that was one that really helped me out. And I would suggest anything comes to mind. And if not, no big deal. No, there just, is. Just I, I would say, um, Man, I don't want to keep using the word um, but I just used it again. <laughs> I, I, I would say the, the thing that probably is developing a relationship with a few really, really solid customers. And because what I've realized, and I tell my team this all the time, we have probably one, maybe two handfuls of customers that have been with us since the, from, from the beginning. And they are, are we're not making the, the highest profit margin off of them, but they're just so steady and consistent. Mm-hmm. And they really are our sustainability. Now we'll get a ton of big, you know, huge contracts in between from, you know, we'll get three contracts a year from customer B and, you know, they might be a lot more volume, maybe even profit margin. But it's those like five to 10 customers from the beginning that and that consistency. So I think if you can develop just those steady eddy customers that you know are going to be with you and then build off that, maybe that would have been, I don't know if that's a metric or what you were looking for. Yeah, that's a good one. I, no, I think uh, that would just, that brings me to the idea when we talk about the word value line, I talk about the word value line on here a lot. Like those customers, I mean, so maybe the takeaway for someone that's due to business and just in general, right? Cause that value line, I love that term because it can go into every single relationship that you have. It's not just about in, in business, it's not exclusively or anything closely exclusive to profitability, right? It would be loyalty. It would be oh, oh, alignment. It, it totally is. And like I all can, of that melds like, um, to value. Uh, cool roofing, 
rough roofing, Avena contracting. Uh, I, and I, I hate, sometimes I hate to name because I'm going to miss, but like those guys have given us a chance from day one and stuck with us. Sure. And those are the ones that just like, we have such a good rapport and I know we're going to be doing a ton of work together. And again, it's not like we're crushing profit margins with them or, or anything like that. We don't need, like those are our just um, foundation. I, I like to think of them as just like our foundation, what we can always rely on. So I, I think I think that would be, maybe not. Maybe that's not a metric, but it's good advice for somebody yeah. starting. No, you could build a metric around it, right? I mean, guess you'd, you'd think about, all right, how many, how many customers that look like this? One of the first things I remember when I was out in the field with Ed Mackle, who started as our VP of sales, we walked out of one of our great customers top three and and he was he was in awe of our relationship and just how we shared resources and and how how we really had created this great relationship over 25 years and he walked out and he said I think I know the answer to this question is that what a great customer looks like so one of those two would be to understand as an early entrepreneur what a great customer mm -hmm. looks like and everything you just said is completely in line with that and it's not just about return on financial investment there's all of these other pieces and parts in there that that are are very valuable to that relationship that you remember. I have to um, glass industries is another one. I would I, I need to mention them because they've been awesome. And and to your point, not only great partners and loyal, but so as we say, frictionless and easy to work with. Mm -hmm. And that is key. Like find people that are easy to work with. And I'll tell you, the advice you hear all the time is like, don't do business with people you don't want to sit across the table and drink a beer with. And that's really sound advice, except it's not, it's so, again, it's so easy for me to say that now when you are starting a business, it's not good advice because maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but here, here's where I'm going with this. When you are starving for work, you will take on shitty customers because you have to keep the lights on. Absolutely. And I did that. I took on a customer, it was an electrical contractor and I'm not afraid to say that, and they know exactly who they are. And I was told that they were hard to work with, and the owner was a dick, and he was. And they were the one that we did the, we went over and beyond to do the work, to get it done. This is when we were in the GC side of things. So we were actually doing the labor. And we did it, and it was, it was good work. And they just, and it wasn't a huge job, but they immediately went to, um, uh, like a litigious route, right? And I had never, I was just getting started like being sued in an and effort legal. Not to, in an effort not to pay you. In right? that was the They driver. weren't paying us. And right. like, we did the work. We did everything they asked and more. And immediately I was like, I was warned about this. I knew this, but I needed the money. Yeah. So it's yeah. really... Criteria one in new business, you'll consider doing business with anyone that's breathing air. Right. If they're breathing air, you'll have a, you'll try to have a conversation. And, and you, the have to. The, you have to. You have to. And the to. truth of the matter is you have to take the risk and hope it works out. And for me, 99% of the time it did that 1% one, 1 of the time. It, but mind you, we got paid. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it was just a battle and I, I spent way more hours battling it than what was, it, what it was worth in the end. But it kept, it, it helped us survive. So 
I think this this isn't novel. Like this is this is a concept and something that people are talking about now more than ever. So I'm literally regurgitating things I just heard on a podcast. But it's just the the concept of like don't if you're getting started, don't start getting advice from billionaires, right? Because they're telling you about what they remember or what works for them now. Like that is not what they did when they started. And I feel like for us you with um, Arnold Automation and me with Taylor, we're close, I'm close enough where like, I remember exactly what I did when I started. Like the advice I would give you now, what I'm doing now looks way different, but I'm definitely able to pinpoint like, but that's not what I did when I started. So I like the idea of us giving this advice because it's still so close to us. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, if you're listening to somebody that was, that made it 50 years ago and you're trying to get advice from them to start your business, like, it's not relevant. Get advice from somebody two, three, four steps ahead of you, not 30. Right. Yeah. And and, I, and to your point, gosh, in, in the automation division, we're still at it. You know, seven years old, like you in construction, is infancy in that space versus our competitors and the customers that have been in that space forever. Heck, we're – and I think one of the things I was going to say is that idea of, you know, building the plane while you fly it. That's still – I mean, when you are – Ready, fire, aim. Yeah, right. Exactly. That too, uh, which could be a – human resource strategy too, if you're doing it incorrectly. But yeah, um, yeah that idea of flying the plane um, while you're building it. And I will still say that. I said it this week. I said it yesterday in a meeting where some things didn't go our way. You know, a, a, uh, a big job that we bid, we didn't get. And, and, you know, we were in that meeting doing soul searching around why we lost, you know, and, and the customer was great in that they gave us a reasonable exit interview. Well, I'm, I'm just trying to understand why it didn't go our way because we understood this and, you know, these, these things that, that thought had us in good stead right up until we lost and got zero. And that's the really the painful thing about that part of the business is you put a million dollar proposal mm-hmm. out there and if they go with someone else, you get exactly zero. Well, not only that, zero. like how much time did you spend? Oh, the like, opportunity costs are massive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't even, I'm not even getting into like, that. Well, well, on the construction side, it would be like our pre-con. Like what is all the time we put into the, the estimating and, yeah. the, you know, for you, the due diligence and the proposals and all that. Yeah, and such a zero-sum game and, and different than packaging just because there's that consumable annuity piece where our Right, so we didn't we didn't get the boxes bigger thing right today, but they'll be using boxes tomorrow, and the market will shift or something will change, and we'll be in a better position to compete, and we'll go back. Not in this situation. I mean, those deals are done. Not to say that they won't consider automation. Our job then is to make sure we did a good enough job to get a seat back at the table because it's all the respect, all the cred just went with A, not B. You happen to be B. But when we get to the next step, robotic palletizing, that's actually a situation here. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to be right back at the table. Okay. It still hurts like shit. Yeah. And it still pays zero bills, mm-hmm. but it is part of that learning process. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you want to, I'll punch you now. Yeah. I, uh, I, I will say this, this one is, is, um, something that I, I still working on, but it's the idea of putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And I would say of all of the things that I have gotten better at as I become a more mature, more experienced business leader, it's that human component and trying to understand where people are coming from and and doing exactly that, you know, stopping and saying, well, if I was if I was where you are, what would I be thinking? What would I be experiencing? What do I know? What don't I know? And 
it could be something as simple as, I don't know, you had a really, uh, a really poor interaction with somebody, un- uncomfortable, awkward. And um, instead of younger Mick Arnold might have fired back or, you know, done something that was not very productive, you know, and, and, and ending up fueling something instead of thinking, huh, that was an unusual for, it's a very unusual reaction for Brit. We've worked together for a long time. That's not what I expected. Younger Mick Arnold would have fired back probably and would have added fire on top of fire versus, huh, I wonder what's going on. Can't possibly have to do with that work thing we talked about because while it's important, it's not that important. So that's something that I paid a lot more attention to, especially now where I, you know, one thing that was, that was, um, that I struggled with when I was a younger leader, I was the youngest person in the room all of the time. So think about a situation where your dad dies at 24, you're thrust into this role to try to keep the company from failing. Every single person around you is older than you. They have to be, right? There's, there's, And when you're now in the room with lawyers and accountants, people that were working with us that were trusted professionals, I was half the age. <laughs> the vast majority of the time, I was half the age or less than half of the age almost all of the time. So now it's to the point, I've finally been at this long enough, 30 years, where there are people in the room or involved in the process that are younger than I am. And it's actually taken me a while to get my brain around that idea just because it was the other way for so long. So now I actually have to find myself stopping to think about if it's one of our younger teammates. You know, what do they know? What experience do they have? I can't drop in at level eight when they only ever had the opportunity or the capability to to understand level two. They've only been here for this period of time or they're new to business or they're new to our business. So really trying to understand, and and it might even go back to the story we tell about, you know, uh, the dog whisperer, Mm -hmm. right, is understanding your audience and trying to, to, to meet them at a level that would have you with a more engaging, um, more valuable, beneficial conversation sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Because the opposite of that, I, I would expect, you know, if I'm, if I'm, again, putting myself in that person's shoes, it could be frustrating. It could be embarrassing. There's lots of emotions that could come out of that. If I show up at level eight as a 30-year person who also, as we I just said, has no hobbies, right? I mean, I'm doing this all of the time. I mean- Except my, for one. Except for one time. When I'm, yeah, when I'm, <laughs> when I'm, well, yes, when I'm exercising the golden pipes, is that yes, what you mean? Yes. Yeah. I'm not sure how golden they'll be, but that's the other, that's one of the big things I say, all right, you know, let's, let's make sure, you know, come in at the right floor. Don't come in on a floor that's so far, mm-hmm. high, is so far up there that this person doesn't even have a chance of seeing you or meeting you in that common ground. So you can get somewhere together. That's one of, that's a, that's been a huge one that I still work on to this very day, especially now when I sit in a room and I'll say, raise your hand if you've been here six months or less, keep your hand raised a year, two years. When I tell you that half of the room's hands go up and stay up, I'm talking about at a director level meeting an executive level meeting, the pandemic has created this barbell of sorts where I have people in the room that have 27 years and 27 days. And I'm mm-hmm. not kidding, like 27 days. Did a little uh, exercise the other day. The youngest person in our company is 73. The oldest person in our company, I'm sorry, let me, let me do that again. The youngest the person, youngest person is 73. <laughs> we have a lot of wisdom. You guys have a lot, we have a lot of wisdom, wisdom, a lot of knowledge. The youngest person is 23. Uh, I'm going to be out of breath too after this. The oldest person is 73. So 50 years, five decades 
of people that I am tasked or challenged to communicate effectively with. And I think that's maybe where I started to realize, like, all right, who am I in the room with? And what are we trying to get done? And and what level of the building am I going to drop in to meet them as close as possible? Or if I'm above, just a little bit above, so that I can, I can pull them along into being better, doing better by showing them what that looks like. So you're talking... Uh- when you initially, when you initially, you know, said the topic or what you what you were getting into, I immediately thought that was referring to communication with a customer or vendor, not necessarily internal. But you just talked a lot about inter- that as it relates to internal communication. Yeah, look, I think it's I think it's absolutely um, it's pertinent for all of it. I would suggest that I w- that one would do that in every single relationship that they had, um, everywhere. But I think it's, I I think it, uh, it, it resonates most with me internal just because I have a lot more interactions there than I do. Like I don't have a lot of direct customers anymore. I I only have a few actually. So I don't have as many of those type of, of, um, of relationships or, or those type of interactions. Most of them are, internal in nature and I'm, you know, whether it's emerging thought leaders, whether it's James who's been, has been supporting and flanking me a lot. Mm -hmm. And there I am, right. As a 30 year veteran with a guy who's been here for five weeks and how do I have good, how do I have good conversations and communications with James so he can be effective and feel good about what he's doing Mm -hmm. and learn and be productive. And then if he'll, and then if he'll meet me halfway with the same type of commitment or energy, then he should really be able to go far unless I talk so far above his head that he can't connect anything. And that would be on me. That wouldn't be on him. Right. And, And this is very challenging when you're talking about situations where, you're at a you're you're you've come across a challenge or possibly a disagreement or a misunderstanding with a vendor and a customer and here's why it sounds somewhat easy to say sure i can put myself in those shoes their shoes but you have i don't think defends the right word but probably i'm going to use it in this context you have a company to defend and protect and your whatever whatever your position is, you want to protect that at at all cost, and so you want to have that hard stand. I know. Here's a for instance that happened. I haven't sent the email. I haven't even pressed send. But right before that, I was going through this perfect example. So we have a contractor. We've been working on a project for a year and a half, maybe two years, going through every iteration of pricing with them. Finally, the project has broke, right? And we got a PO. We're on a week and a half. And they're saying, and it's a 120-page contract. And they're saying, where's the contract? Where's the contract? Materials has to be on site in three and a half weeks. We've been going through this job for a year and a half to two years. And we're getting squeezed in a week and a half to go through a 120-page proposal, and now you need the material. Seems a little absurd, doesn't it? And unfair. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think I, I I want to explain that to them. So, and it's not. I don't think it's lost on them. But I also, in that same email, I'm going to be like, listen. I, but I also understand that you've been working on this contract longer than us. You've been fighting constraints from the owners and probably funding. Did you want to issue us contracts prior, earlier? Sure. So 
I'm trying to find the balance. I think it's really important to state my stance and say, hey, listen, let's be fair and realistic about this. But let them know that like I all it's not lost on me that like I get you guys are trying to do your job Mm -hmm. and you've been fighting your own like constraints. Right. So that's um, but to your point, probably maybe just two, three years ago, I would have just fired off like you can wait. We've been waiting two years. Something that short. Right. Yeah. I think uh, you, you, I I think you even just said it as part of your response. It would be something like, you know, while I appreciate your situation and you do, like you do appreciate it. Absolutely. And And, and it doesn't change my, it doesn't change our urgency. Like I'm going to fight to get that contract back as fast as we're working with our vendor and waiting for them to make sure they can comply. If our vendor can't comply, we can't. And we just have to do the proper due diligence. It doesn't change whether, whether we had Another year before the material was needed or three and a half weeks, it doesn't change our urgency. We're going to be trying to get this back as soon as possible, no matter what. But I just think you've got to you've got to stand you've got to stand your up for yourself and your position to an extent while also being reasonable and understanding of their position. What do you think about that? No, I, yeah, I do. So you brought up a very good point in that. There, there are the dynamics are different, right? I mean, certainly if I'm if I'm talking to a newer employee, that's you know there is there is not a defend moment, right? Or and, and even in those even in those situations, you even have to be smart and choose your words carefully in spots, written ones versus spoken ones, because you know like it, love it or hate it, we are in a in, in a bit of a litigious world, and man, anything can be be twisted. So you're right. I think that customer component, the supplier component, um, it just flip it around, right? Where all of a sudden you're talking to the supplier. Now you're the customer, yep, right? Totally. So the dynamic just shifts a little mm-hmm. bit and now you're the customer. But I, I just would like to think, God, my favorite relationships and best relationships have this very equal feel. And, you know, we'll, and we'll say it internally. I've never said this to a customer, but the idea that, you know, your poor planning isn't my fire drill. Well, that's it. Right. And yeah. that's, and, but that's how it comes off. And imagine being the packaging guy. So I can relate with everything you just said, because you know, there's the launch date of the of the gizmo, and the gizmo needs packaging. Well, all this all this stuff's been going on forever as it relates to designing the gizmo, building the whatever. Well, you know, all of these challenges, but no one ever moved the packaging guys performance back. And we're going through the exact same thing right now. And it's, you know, but I will tell you, young Mick Arnold again, I would have done a few different things. Um one could have been that I would have put so much pressure on us to deliver where, you know, older Mick Arnold now will have a conversation and say, all right, let's, let's get our heads together and figure out what we really need to do here. Younger Mick Arnold would have been so happy to have the order kind of like you're talking about and in the earlier. So this was me as a younger salesperson in a 60 year old company. So regardless of the company, right, there was a, an established business that had decades and decades and decades. But young Mick Arnold as a salesperson was running his own brand new business called his sales territory. And I would have probably been racing through, jumping through hoops and inadvertently inviting in risk, not dotting I's, not crossing T's, missing Q's. Um, and I would have been moving fast because I hadn't, I didn't know how to see the angles, which we talk about. But so whether it's the length of your business or just if you're new to business, you could be doing the same the same types of things. But yeah, I completely appreciate that. And but I still would take the same approach, right? If and I will have conversations because a lot of times I'm dealing with 
could be big companies and the individuals that are getting pressure from somewhere that's else, the, they're in the same position. That's exactly I, they're right. They're in the same position. 100%. Some guy in their corner office is screaming bloody murder 100%. about delivery. They're and just I'm, trying to do their job. Yeah, and I'm looking across at them going, hey, man, we're in this together, yeah. right? How do we collectively keep that guy or girl happy, the one that's in the corner office. Well, that's that's funny you said that because the last line, again, I haven't sent the email yet, but my last line was going to be like, listen, I'm on your team uh, it, and, and you know, finish finish it off. Yes. A couple of points I want to expand on on this. You got into very briefly towards the end there, the urgency and the tendency to jump through hoops. And that is something when I first started, even the first couple, maybe few years, Everything was urgent. Every, I felt every single email that came in, I was like, it's on fire. Like, get to it. And it, w- I would jump through ho- hoops. And I would, um, and for me, it's coming from a place of fear that I might lose this opportunity that I really need. Now, again, seven years in, we have the privilege of being able to Take the time to do due, due diligence. Be a little bit more selective. When I got started, I didn't have that privilege. So I didn't want to risk losing out on anything. And for me, that meant being like so everything was like treating everything like it was on fire. Like I had to get to it immediately. I could say that there were things I did that were shortcuts I took that I shouldn't have. But I also don't know if it won me some of the work that I needed then. Mm -hmm. So it would be, again, irresponsible for me to say that's not the appropriate tactic when you first get started, like because that has stuck with me to a degree now. Like we are urgent about everything, but now we just take the. Uh, the proper amount of time to do our due diligence. Now, I will tell you, I had a, uh, an employee in particular where had that same mindset, would just get things out without like even showing me it, and it was wrong. Mm-hmm. It was in like so many mistakes were made, and that was part of my le- lesson to that employee was like, you have a minute, like take one step back, taking the extra three hours to get it right is so much better for us in the end because we can't take back that mistake. So now that's me teaching some of the, the young, not even young, maybe newer employees mm-hmm. that come in to take that extra breath or step. But when you get started, that's really hard. And I'm not sure had I not done that, I, 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 who knows? Right. Like, I, I don't know what would have well, happened. Well, I, I think... Um I think it's fair to say that when you were brand new, one of your differentiators was speed to market, right? So if that still. is, right, and, and, st- and still is, but very much so, right? Because you had absolutely, you know, if not zero, very limited technical expertise. If you would think about all the things you would consider a differentiator, you hadn't built a lot of those yet. Right. So for you, speed to market and responsiveness that's, and urgency was the differentiator. Right. And I and I would agree with you, having met you early enough and watching that evolution, I, I would agree with you that you made some very loyal customers and even followers, customers being one thing, followers being something even more amazing um, because of that urgency and the care. You know, that urgency also has a certain level of care that comes along with it where you are back quickly, you are engaged, not at a poor quality level, not sloppy. That's the danger of the speed that your newer teammate was working. But gosh, there's just something about that, uh, that acknowledgement, urgency, and I think urgency in those moments equals care that really is projected onto prospects, 
new customers. And by the way, we're talking about this friends, mm. family, well, that's, again, right? Relating I mean, it to the relating real to world, all of right? it. Yeah, this is all because we're also dealing with people, right? When you have a business card out at a particular time, or you're just sitting around watching a Ravens game, those relationships and those interactions. I don't know why they would have to feel different or be different. I mean, you just hit something that's great that I do a lot with customers that I never did when I was younger in business. And just that simple idea of same team. Like I will say that a lot, you know, someone will say, thank you. And I'll say, of course, we're on the same team. It's almost like, what else would I have done? Mm -hmm. You and I are in this together and I know it and you need to know it. And well, thank you for saying thank you. I would never have shown up any differently because we are on the same team, Mm -hmm. like especially in the packaging world. Our delivery and your delivery are absolutely in full synchronization. We literally deliver together, right? That's not, you know, we're not using some willy-nilly word called delivery. We are delivering stuff Mm -hmm. together. So that's something that I recognize that's new or just having a... a, um, I think the experience and, and comfort and familiarity has me able to approach back to my piece about putting yourself in other people's shoes having uh, having a better recognition of what other people are doing personally professionally and um and, and being able to get to deeper understand them more quickly than I that I did as a much younger human or younger business leader for sure and to expand on this this conversation same but different uh, the one thing I, I i i can truly say and feel proud of is that i have never ever compromised on being nice and kind to people ever my whole life and now that doesn't that doesn't take away from the fact that hard conversations are had like you know you have to have a hard conversation you have to say things that people don't like but from day one it has like I have never at least not that I know of not intentionally burned a bridge you know in that piece no matter how frustrated you are no matter what you want to say I'm sure there are things I said that I want to take back but I can't think of one relationship that I've ever burned a bridge or haven't been um haven't respected the loyalty of a partnership or haven't at least brought it to the table if I felt like maybe there was something we were doing that would have um, broken that trust. So I think just keeping that, in my, no matter what you're doing, no matter how you're feeling, like just just be nice. Yeah. Like uh, no matter how you feel about someone, like even when we're dealing with total assholes, uh, I'll have a hard stance and then my position will be, we're just not going to do work with them again, right? It's not, but I won't be an asshole about it. And I just, I have stuck to that and it has never let me down. Yeah, I think if I've gotten in trouble um, and, and and still too occasionally at this time, as a, as a, uh, a little bit more experienced person, it's where I was feeling pressure in a particular moment. And instead of getting myself under control, I actually let that pressure onto the next person in line. Could have been a supplier, could have been a teammate, could have been someone. But instead of getting that under control and diffusing it, you know, my job as a leader is to diffuse things and make sure that the next interaction comes without all of that heat and all of that pressure because it can cloud the rest of the mm-hmm. world. My job is to is to distill that and diffuse that and then invite somebody into the conversation who can help or help solve. So I would say, you know, if I'm looking backwards, if, if and when I get it wrong, I probably did it last week. Um, I also think the other thing that's that's different and challenging, when I was new to the market, there was no written conversation, right? I mean, short of writing a letter, think of think about a world, and you, you may or may not, Tommy, you don't remember, a world without email, 
where everything moved. Oh, I moved. remember. Yeah, yeah. Right? Even in high school. I mean, for, for us, I, I didn't use email much in high i mean we had dial up yeah they, like they were like we had aim was starting but that's a that's a that's that's really changed the game because at least when you were talking to someone and it could have been on a phone but it could have been it could have been 2d phone or 1d could have been 3d person at least you had the benefit of inflection right if i told you to f yourself there's lots of different ways to say that there's a chuckling kidding version mm -hmm. and there's a hard hitting i really mean this version right and at least you had the benefit of inflection in those interactions where, man, now I, I find myself, whether it's email or text, I am generally projecting my, my understanding based on either who you are to me and, and what our relationship generally feels and sounds like, or, which is even worse, our last interaction. Or, or the mood you're in. Or the mood I'm in. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and I do catch myself saying, you know, Mick, benefit of the doubt here, right? What? And that's so relatable to life, it's like your personal relationships. You're on the, you know, you're having this made, as we always talk about, made up stories. Yeah. And I, I've always said that is such a great way to disarm somebody when you're having, especially in personal life going into a conversation that it's a hard conversation saying listen this is my made up story but this is or this could be my made up story but this is how I'm feeling right. you completely disarm somebody when you say that and I think that leads to a great open conversation yeah no but I, that's back to that comment about youngest at 23 and oldest at 73 think about how much communication has changed sure. in that period of mm -hmm. time and it just complicates things a little bit more and, and that's before you get into you know how easy it is to fake and false things now too right whatever all the different methods are with it's uh I don't know. It's a, the evolution of communication between us as humans and mammals for the next period of time is going to be uh, is going to be something. It really yeah. is. Yeah. So that piece about so that's mine. That's one of mine. And and uh, well, we've gotten through a whole whopping two. I told you. Let's. Uh, these are great topics, right? These these should these should take a minute to get right. Well, we've also expanded on many different routes, and actually, we've hit more on on several of mine, like go, honing in on one topic and then taking little uh, little tree branches out. So we've hit on others. You want to do? Let's do one more of this because this feels uh, this feels good, and I want to talk about. It. And this is another one I just I feel so strongly about. Um, there is this notion these days, there's something underlying about, we, we had a whole podcast episode about this, but that hard, hard work as, as an enemy, as toxic. Um, and this, this is something that goes like, I never thought hard work would be something that people would start fighting against, you know, and, and this is one of those pendulum issues. But the reality is that, that when you are starting, that is that is all you have. And to take that a step further, there were so many things that I said yes to. Like you hear all the time, you know, create a niche. It could be a product or a service. Stay in your lane. Make sure you're only saying yes to things that you know how to do really well. I did not abide by that. I said yes to so many things that... So many things where we didn't, I didn't even know how to get the product yet, mm -hmm. right? I'm saying, I'm telling this customer, I will deliver the product. I didn't even know where to get it yet. And you have to be resourceful, hungry, and scrappy in the beginning. 
there's no reason for anybody to use your product or your service when you're just getting started. You have no history. You add no value to this person yet. They, I'm sure they have a lot of other people to go to. So you've, you have to take what you can get. You have not earned the right to cherry pick and figure out what you want to do. Eventually, when you start taking all these things on, you're going to learn what, you, what you're good at and what you suck at. And then you're eventually you're going to have the opportunity and the privilege to like hone in on those certain things. But like you have to simply outwork it and say yes to a lot of things that are outside of your lane, period. Like that's just the way it worked and it works. And there's something that I, I'm, I was thinking about. Um, there was a LinkedIn post and th- this is no disrespect for this woman who started a business. In fact, it's incredibly awesome. Started a business in the construction space. And she wrote something about she's she's excited to finally have like work life balance. And I wrote something like it was celebrating that she started a business, take the risk on, but like you're going to lose even more work life balance than you've ever had in your life. Don't start a business to get work life balance. And then she came back and said, well, I think we're looking at it different. I did this and I was always miserable and I worked 12 hour days. I'm excited now to be able to take like a midday walk. And when my husband comes back, greet him and not be like totally exhausted. I'm thinking if you're taking midday walks in six months to a year and you're not exhausted and a little bit angry when your husband comes home, then you're a better woman than I am because I don't know any business owner who's six to seven months in is taking a midday walk. Like you're freaking working. So do you have anything to interject? Cause I just keep going. No. Okay. No. So, I, of course I do. Yeah, I always do. So I just think this, but like, I always pick my spots I, I'm going, I'm going either. in like two different routes here, but I just think like, don't expect to have for it to be you now have this work-life balance and now you're going to be able to select what you want to do and now you're just going to be able to hone in your passions and not do all the the, all the bullshit that you didn't want to do at your corporate job and now it, it doesn't work like that like you have to do it all you have to take on shit you don't like you don't have a life at all so turn it into but but turn this into a life experience because because we, we we always talk about business so the life experience the idea was the the, work, the life experience uh, so component. here it is uh, the life experience being and I'll hone on the saying yes to things like in life you have to explore all of your curiosities and different things. So, and you cannot do that if you're not saying yes to a lot of things. If you're not trying things that are out of your comfort zone, if you're not trying things that scare you, maybe you're not even interested in. So it's about saying yes to a lot of things and exploring them. Like that's why I think there are so many things that people walk away from in life or even on their deathbed. Like they haven't tried so many things because it wasn't in their, their lips, whatever lane they, they, they put themselves in a box or we put ourselves in a box or everybody else says like get outside yourself and say yes and explore your curiosities and figure out what you like and you don't like and you can't do that if you don't just say yes to a lot of things and you've got to put the work in to figure it out it's not easy well I think for some people too and I think that's easier you know our personality types are very much that way too I would imagine there's a fear component for some people as far as saying yes to things and and um and you will fail oh yeah sure. hard yeah well let's just say for example though I mean there's whatever all those different experiences are I mean I I recognized 
I'm going to start with business, but, but also how it dovetailed into everything else. You know, I would, I would kid and say, you know, when I got involved in the business, we were 65 years old, 60 years old, something along those lines. But for a company that was as old as we were, we were we were we were known well by certain customers that relied on us, but in the in the market, despite being a sixty year old Baltimore business with one zip code, I mean, we were pretty we were pretty stealth. I mean, who wants to be a stealth company? Jesus Christ, that's the exact opposite you want to be. And so, in that exact vein, started saying yes to to lots of things and and getting out there and and realizing what I didn't know. I mean, I only knew my tiny little shell, but the singing thing that we're talking about, you know, having grown up one way and, and, uh, trying to explore all these different things. I mean, the last episode was pretty hard hitting when I went back and listened to the raw data and realized that I was going to wrap up with a, with a spreadsheet. I was like, Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm not going to be here forever. Nobody is, but you know, I'm closer than further now. If you look at the way Brian Johnson is the way it works. <laughs> Who? For, oh, he's going to be around forever. He's going to be here forever. Just, he's Jesus. not going to die. Well, at the, uh, at, the, at the speed at which healthcare is working and the dots that uh, AI is going to connect, that could very well be the case. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And, and uh, yeah, God, getting out of that, uh, you know, whatever that mundane piece would be and not experiencing new things. Or the other way too is only doing it on a gizmo or a device. You know, not actually getting out into the three-dimensional world and experiencing it and all the awesome humans that are there too, because that's really the differentiator. When we travel, it's the people. I mean, it really is. I mean, there's lots of pretty things on this big rock that we all live on, but um, man, the people are what really give it the texture for me. But let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it back in here um, as, as a wrap up. So the one thing I will say, you know, when people start, start businesses, myself included, you know, everybody, you have this vision of what your company is going to be. And a lot of people want to stay, they, they want to follow that vision. They want to pick jobs that are aligned with that vision. Like, thank God I didn't do that because we've expanded and I, I, I took on so many peripheral things that weren't in my direct line of sight that have worked out for us. And like, so Hold that vision, I would say, loosely when you're getting started. You've got to take on those opportunities. That, and, and I think that's because you might not survive if you don't, truly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing I will add is say, saying yes to things that you aren't quite capable or equipped or knowledgeable about doing, again, can seem reckless to some people or even maybe manipulative to a customer that you're telling you can do it. But if you care enough and if you're willing to outwork it, you will figure out a way. It's just something when you're a starving entrepreneur, you do figure it out no matter how scary it is. Do you get the job done incredibly well and as good as a very experienced company? No. Like some of our GC jobs that we took on were I mean, like restaurant jobs in the beginning, that's with all the equipment. And I mean, it, it, they're, they're not easy. Coats. 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 Oh, absolutely. Like everything. Yeah. But we got it done. Now, looking back and, you know, I'm, I'm friends, great friends with uh, the guys we did it with. And they know we, we did everything. We got the projects done. Uh, ultimately, we got them done on time. And I'd say relatively in budget. Were they perfect? And, like, absolutely not. When I look back now, I would change everything. But you just, you get something about it. I can't explain it. Like you get so resourceful and you figure it out. So 
when you're sitting here thinking, well, I, I just don't want to do that. You, you have to, and you will figure it out if you give a shit enough. Sure. I think, um, and, and that's it, life. Yeah. With, <laughs> and just, just to, just to add on to that. And yes, I am like always, if, you know, a lot, we talk about a lot of times about, um, business developed by solving a problem, right? That's a great way. And, and that could also be akin to identifying demand if you will. They're, they're closely related, but it doesn't mean it's the only problem that needs to be solved and that you can take on other problems and, and you, and you might be able to build that muscle into something that is a very valuable part of your mm -hmm. offering in the long term. Same thing about life, you know. I mean, you it, you might find something that uh, man you just never been exposed to. Yeah, you're, the way you grew up, your family, you know, your family did this, they didn't do that. And therefore, you were generally dragged along because that's what kids are, right? You're dragged along with whatever your family likes, and uh, you might find something, break out of something, and and find it. It's where you should have been all along, or you have a superpower in that space, mm -hmm. and you happen to love it too. And well, that would be as good as it gets. Yeah, but you don't know until you try. You don't all of it, business and so and and personal, absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of this comes down to if, if I'm thinking again, I, I always at the end of our podcast think about common threads and always come back to a lot of this in the beginning. Maybe it's different if you're coming in with a, with a shit ton of money and backing and don't have to worry. But that's not how most of us are coming in. Like I, I bootstrapped the business had nothing. And I think that's how a lot of other folks are coming in. And it comes down to like that evolutionary survivorship. Just like if you were out in the wild, like you figure it out to survive and you will do whatever and you get the job done. Mm -hmm. Maybe that sounds dramatic, but it's really not when you don't have anything to fall back on. Mm -hmm. yeah, when, when your feet are to the fire and that's while scary, the best thing that ever happened to me was not having a single thing to rely on. Like your feet are to the fire, it's sink or swim. You don't, I don't have anywhere to go from here. Right. And that's how shit got done. Sure. If, if I didn't have that, I don't know if I would have gotten it done. So when you're, when you're in those situations, as many of us are, it could be in a relationship, it could be personal finances, it could be a job, whatever that is. Keep swimming. Keep when you have to survive, you will. You know, you'll figure it out. Yep. So, that's what I gotta say. Oof. Well, that was only three topics, and man, that was that was as fast as anything we've ever done. Yeah. That was zippy. Well done. Yeah, I think we could turn this into a little mini, mini series. Yeah. Well, uh, I've got uh, you know any number of these that uh, are still on my paper here. We could turn I, this I'd into like a whole season. To get whole season. Huh? We can. We can. All right. All right. Awesome. That was fun. Yeah. It was totally fun. Come with some I, I love I love this so much. I can tell. Like I, I just, can tell. You almost came across the table at me four times. Maybe one day we'll do this full time because <laughs> this would just be we'll just sit in here all day and record. Well, yeah, yeah, we could, but we have got to make sure we're also out there collecting things because the world is changing fast. And, and no, I'm uh, just gonna sit in this room and just talk about things. All right, cool. Okay, I'm gonna go help. Okay, bye. You report back. <laughs> <laughs> love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.